When we think of love, sometimes what comes to mind is a feeling or an emotion, but love is more than that. Hi, it's Josh here, one of the pastors at West Valley Christian Church, and we are on a series called Love Does, where we are discovering that love is not just a feeling, but it's about doing something. It's about action. Hope you enjoy the message. I hold here in my hand the greatest book ever written in history, the Bible. And not only is it the greatest book, but it's the greatest love story, as Pastor John shared last week. From its very first chapter in Genesis all the way to the last chapter in Revelation, it's a story of God's love, specifically his love towards you and I. Amen? That this book, this book has the power and the authority to speak into each and every one of our lives. Amen? And, and I will tell you this, and I say this all the time, this book has authority over this preacher. This book has authority every, over every one of our lives. And that is good news. Amen? So as we're talking about this whole topic of love does that Pastor John introduced last week, we learn that love is not, well, it's not like Valentine's Day and how we may celebrate love that way. It's, it's not, oh, let's say the Hallmark Channel's version of love. It's not that teenage kind of love or all those rock, uh, 80s rock bands in the, you know, kind of love definitions. We're talking about a love that does. Amen? And so for the next few weeks, what we're going to do is the foundation has been laid. And so we're just going to start peeling back. What, what is the does part of love? And we get to start here today with love. Hold on to your seats. Love forgives. Love forgives. So we need to bow our heads right now and pray, God, help me to receive this message. Amen? And please help that pathetic pastor up there preach it. All right, let's do this. God, thank you for um, just loving us in so many different ways. But specifically today, as we look at this topic of love in light of forgiveness, we are so grateful for how you have shown to us your love through forgiveness. God, help us to prepare our hearts to receive a message that may be hard to receive. But God, I am so excited because of your word that is alive and active that I believe that it will set so many, so many of us free here today. If we would only listen, if I would only listen, I love you, we love you, in the powerful name of Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen. so Corey Ten Boom, do you know the name? Does it ring a bell? I know for many of you, you may know her story. For some of you, this may be the first time you've heard her name. She was a Dutch watchmaker and a Christian who helped many Jews escape the Nazi Holocaust, and there's so much more to her story than what I will share, but there's an article that I would like to read from to help us understand this topic of forgiveness and perhaps where God wants us to go here this morning. The year was 1947, 
It was almost two full years after the liberation of uh, Auschwitz as Corey Tamboom stepped forward to share the message of forgiveness and healing at a German church. As she stepped forward, she prayed that God would use her words to bring healing, forgiveness, and restoration. What she was about to experience changed her life forever. As she finished her message, a man stepped forward, moving his way through the crowd of people to talk to Corey. He looked familiar like she'd seen him somewhere before, and as she looked into his eyes, it all became crystal clear. She recognized him. The uniform, the whips, walking past him naked at the selection. She remembered she remembered her sister dying, a slow, painful death at his hands. The memories came flooding back to her. Memories. Memories of this man who had been a guard at the camp. I am a Christian now, she spoke. With her, with her eyes sadly looking at his. I know that God has forgiven me, he said. But will you forgive me? He stretched out his hand to receive hers. And yet, she stood there for a moment. Actually, it was a moment that seemed like eternity. Although it was probably just a few seconds, she knew that she needed to make a choice. Would she forgive the man at whose hand she experienced so much hurt, pain, and humiliation? Would she? Could she? And then she cried out, Jesus, I need your help. I could lift my hand, but you need to supply the feelings. She slowly raised her hand, reached out to the man, took his hand into hers. And she said, I forgive you, my brother, with my whole heart. The article closes off with this. That day, former guard and former prisoner were both healed and set free from the bondage of bitterness and anger. Love does. I know in a room filled with this many people, this is going to be a hard topic for some of us. But God has you here to hear this. And God wants to do a mighty work in your life to set you free and to live the rest of your life with a little extra gip in your giddy because of this topic of forgiveness. Amen. The opposite is unforgiveness. This becomes all so painful. 
all so consuming, draining, paralyzing, raw. It destroys in so many ways. It destroys man and God's relationship, brother and sister, wife and husband, nation and nation, church and pastor, pastor and church, friend and friend, neighbor and neighbor, and one that we oftentimes forget about, unforgiveness destroys the relationship between you and yourself. Love forgives. And we're going to look at it in three different ways here today. First, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Joseph. Joseph forgives. Joseph forgives. Well, what's that mean? Well, let's look at Scripture. And if you need a Bible, raise your hand and these fine Gentlemen are going to make their way down. I know some of you are opening up your Bible apps. That's great. But let's make sure we get our eyes on the text here. Genesis chapter 50. Genesis, and it's really an easy book to find because it's the first one. Right after the table of contents. Genesis chapter 50, and we're going to go to verse 15. Genesis 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph, Joseph holds a what? What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they have committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of God and of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph what? Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. I Or am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of what? The saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke what? And he spoke kindly to them. So you can see right here, I've made my point, and more importantly than my point, it's God's point, that that Joseph forgives. We see this in Genesis chapter 50. Joseph forgives his siblings. And some of you may be sitting here going, oh, so what? Okay, so they didn't didn't let them play with their Legos. You know, when they're in the backyard uh, playing kick the can, they always said, no, Joseph, you're too small, you can't play. Or maybe they've teased them or made fun of them. And so you say here today, and go, okay, 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 all right. So, okay, yes, Joseph forgives his brothers, you know, the youngest one. All right, I get it. Eh, all right, whatever. 
But you have no clue, Pastor, what I'm needing to forgive. Well, let's just kind of hold our horses just for a second. Okay? Some of you may not understand the context of the story, and that's okay. And some have forgotten it, and some could quote it. But it doesn't matter where you're at in this. We need to go back before we go forward. We need to be reminded of what it is that Joseph really is forgiving. When they say, hey, we've done some wrongs against you, Josie. Can you forgive us, little brother? Well, let's go back then in time, and let's see exactly what is being forgiven. Let's go to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. Oh, those Bible pages turn and sound so good. Genesis chapter 37, and we're going to go to verse 2. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of what? 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers. And then you go on to verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made a, a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they what? They hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had dreams, and when he, he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain and out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Now, if I'm one of his brothers, yeah, I'm going to be ticked. Come on, church. I mean, here is bad parenting 101. Israel needed a Dr. James Dobson in his life, didn't he? Some of you need to Google James Dobson. But, I mean, I mean, come on. You can't, you, can't, you, you can't go out and say, Josie's my favorite one. That's not good parenting. And now you're setting this poor little guy up for failure. Uh, some of you may or may not know, uh, Lisa and I, my wife, uh, uh, we've had, uh, we have two sons, and we have babies every 13 years. So I keep saying, wait for that third one. It's coming. But... Uh, my son Drew's here today, he's turning 24 today, and then we have little Easton, who's 10. And little Easton, weekly, will go up to me and say, Dad, just come on, admit it, I'm your favorite. I mean, literally. I don't think Drew's ever said that in his life to me, but Easton's got this little thing, like, admit it. And I always say, Easton, you are my favorite youngest son. <laughs> Which, too, he re always replies, See, I know, because Drew's young and I'm young, so I'm your favorite. No, Easton, you know. So there's always that competition, right, amongst siblings. I do it with my sister all the time. I said, if mom really liked you best, she would have had you first. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. You know that sibling rivalry, and, and, and dad, you shouldn't say that. But this, this, this created this tension amongst the brothers, and, and then Joseph, I, I, he's not innocent in this. I mean, he's like, hey, and I had this dream, man, and you guys are all bowing down to me. <laughs> it's like, why didn't they shoot him then? So this is what's going on. Well, this festers, and then, and then you continue to read on, and, and you're going to have to go home and read all the details of this stuff. But read chapter 37 and, and, and all that happens. And, and we're going to go to verse um, 19. The, the, the brothers are out there tending the flocks. Joseph goes out there. Uh, he's going to meet up with his brothers. And then verse 19, it says, here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now. Let's what? Let's kill him. Like, I don't think they were joking. 
And we'll see that they weren't. And let's throw them into one of his cisterns and, and, and say that a, a ferocious animal devoured them. Yeah, yeah. Then we'll, we'll see what comes of this kid's dreams. Well, when Reuben heard this, he, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life. You know, there's always one in the group, right? No fun. <laughs> Reasonable. Let's not take his life. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern there, there in, in, in the desert. And, and, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take, back to, uh, take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe. And, and then, they, uh, and then they, threw it into the, they threw him into the cistern. And then the cistern was empty and there was no water in it. So you could hear this boom, right? And as they sat down to eat their meal, I mean, these guys don't give a rip about their brother. Is that crazy? They, they throw them in to, to, to die, and then they, they go eat McDonald's. They looked up and saw a, a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead, and, and their camels were loaded with spices, balm, myrrh, and they were on their way to Egypt to take them down. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him. <laughs> I mean, these guys are crazy. Can you imagine, you know, they throw them on eBay really quick if they had eBay back then. It's like, you know, buy it now, special. And, uh, and, and his brothers agreed. And so basically, if you keep reading it, he's, so, he's sold into slavery. Now, let's put this in the context again of forgiveness. These brothers weren't just the ones that didn't let them play, kick the can or, or borrow the Legos and, or play, you know, Nerf guns or whatever, whatever it is. It, it, it wasn't the little kid that got picked on and got the scraps of food. I mean, we're talking some big stuff here, aren't we? Church, aren't we talking some big stuff? Now, I, and now will you listen to me, some of you that are sitting there with your arms folded going, oh, this, the pastor just doesn't know. And, I, and can I come alongside of you and say, you're right. I don't know what has happened in your life. I know a lot of you that have shared. And I even know that a lot of you have shared some of the heartache of your life at certain levels. And then there's that whole next level. Only you know. Only you know what this topic of forgiveness really means. And I know, just the stories I know of the people sitting in this room, there are some horrific things that have happened in your life that are sickening. But just as much as I don't know what this topic means for your life, can we agree that you don't necessarily know what it means for my life? This isn't an ear-tickling, feel-good sermon like, oh, come on, let's just go forgive now, right? This sucks. This is hard. This isn't ear-tickling. This isn't pretty and sexy and cute, but it's right. It's right because it comes from God's word. And God is not going to ask me and he's not going to ask you to do something that isn't good for you and I. And so many of us are imprisoned and paralyzed and trapped 
and are lifeless because of this very topic. And may I even go on record as to say this, and I'm not playing Dr. Phil or any kind of counselor or psychologist or anything. I'm just talking about life. I think a lot of the pain and a lot of the heartache and a lot of the destruction that is going on in this world, if you dig back, if you peel it back enough, it's because a man or a woman has not been able to forgive themselves or forgive others. And it's built up so much within themselves that it not only destroys their life, but it comes out destroys many other people's lives read between the lines of what i'm saying in regards to recent events in our country that's why this topic is so important love does you see, when, the, when Joseph's brothers come to him at the end in chapter 50, I, I'm thinking Joseph's ready to accept guys that are saying, brother, we are so sorry. We've talked about this and we've, we're just so sorry for all the wrong that we've done to you. We're sorry that we were jealous for you. We know it's not your fault that dad loved you the most. We're sorry for all that pain you went through. We're sorry for you being in prison. We're so sorry for all the heartache we've caused. That's not in there, is it? And so, as we're filtering this through our hearts this morning, as we walk through this passage, please, in the temptation to go, but, 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 he doesn't, she doesn't, or they don't deserve it. I think that's a message from the devil. Because it, It has nothing, forgiveness has nothing to do with whether someone deserves it or not. You need to know that this is a real topic for me. And it's a real topic for you. And again, like I said earlier, I hope that it sets us free. Some of the things that I'd like to draw from Joseph's forgiveness in Genesis 50... Let's, let's just kind of, let's, let's just look into this just a little bit here. Again, this could be an entire sermon just right here on Joseph's forgiveness. But read, read verse 19 because Joseph says, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. I'm telling you right here, right now, Joseph had to wrestle with this. He had to wrestle with what he was going to do with his brothers. He had to wrestle with, am I going to forgive them or not? Am I going to love them in this way or not? Can we agree on that? I, you know, and here it just goes from verse, you know, verse 15 all the way through verse 18. And then all of a sudden we've, we jump into verse 19. I don't think it happened that quick. But this is, what, this is what forgiveness looked like. Don't be afraid, he says. Write that down if you're taking notes. Under Joseph forgives. Don't be afraid. You see, the one that needs comfort is actually comforting here. Do you see that? Joseph, Joseph's not to blame right here. Joseph's not the one that messed up. Joseph's not the one that, that no, but Joseph, who needs comfort, is the one that comforts. The one that needs to be extended forgiveness to, extends forgiveness to. The one that needs to hear the words of forgiveness, gives the words of forgiveness. Why? Why? Because love does. Because love does. 
Joseph told his brothers, I see the big picture. I love Charles Swindoll's uh, book series on different characters and profiles uh, in the Bible, and he actually has um, a book on Joseph that I would highly recommend if you want to dig into Joseph's life. But there's a line in this book that Chuck Swindoll says. He says, guard your heart when you have the power to place guilt on someone else's. Guard your heart when you have the power to place guilt on someone else's. I think we find ourselves in that position when someone has wronged us. We feel like we've got the upper hand on them. We're on the pedestal above them so they could come bowing, begging for mercy and forgiveness. And Chuck says what Jesus would say, guard your heart. Guard your heart when you have the power to place guilt on someone else. Refuse to rub their nose in the mess they have made. Why? Because love does. Now, church, I understand as I studied this week and as I write these words and as I even have to be led by the Holy Spirit to share this stuff, that again, many of you are looking at some really hard situations. But again, let me emphasize this. I don't see any of it through Scripture that it's because the person on the other end deserves it. It's because we need to give it. Again, our world would be so different if we lived this aspect of love out. Joseph lived his life free of bitterness despite everything that happened to him. Why? Because he kept pushing that out. You know what my greatest struggle is? You do something wrong to me. Life does something wrong to me. It finds its way into my heart. And instead of forgiving and pushing it out of there, that knife that's been stabbed in there, I'll just push it in just a little bit deeper. Come on, church, am I the only one? And then I'll just rub that thing around. And what does that mean? I just become the victim of that event over and over again. When scripture says, just pull that knife out and let the healing begin. This is what forgiveness does. It's a two-way street because healing begins in my life as the one extending the forgiveness And then it allows for, and again, we don't have any responsibility. We don't have any power. We don't have any authority on how that person's going to respond or not. And it doesn't matter. But at least you've given them the opportunity to allow the healing to begin. Then Joseph says this, I am not God, right? He says, I am not God, but I know the one that is. And so when we put forgiveness in the context of love, like we're talking about here right now, we just have to realize that the whole fair and unfair thing about how we think, we got to throw that out the door because the Bible says our thoughts are not God's thoughts. 
And what the Bible will say is, and again, because it's truth, is one of the things that we learn from the Bible is the blood is on their head. And that, that's a whole nother sermon. But what that simply means is you might think they're just continuing to live life and that they don't care and that's not hurting them and it's not messing them up. I'm telling you right here, right now, as one that has hurt people, I know the guilt and the shame. And you know the guilt and the shame. Amen? And so it's, it's, it's not for us to judge whether that person's going to receive it, whether they're authentic, whether, 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 all that stuff. Our job is to give it. Love does. And this is what Joseph says. Hey, I'm not God. God. God's got this all figured out. And then here's the other aspect I love about forgiveness according to this story of Joseph. And, so, and we can miss it really quick. Because at the very end, it says, he reassured them and what? And he spoke kindly. What a great place for you and I to land. What a great place for you and I to land in life. Because if we do just the opposite of this message, then we're just going to be wound tight, right? And we're going to be on edge and we're going to be irritable and we're going to be uncompassionate and love is going to find its way out of our lives. But this is why this message is so freeing, church. This is so freeing, this topic of forgiveness. Forgiveness is something that we all agree on until we actually have to do it. (laughs) Come on, right? It's like, amen, preach it, pastor, amen, yeah. Then you get slammed into after service by another car. And you're like, ah. And some of you would sit there and go, man, if that was as easy as just that, someone slamming into me. Joseph walked through life not choosing to stay in the pit or the prison of unforgiveness. Forgiveness, the word literally means to send away, to hurl. So think about it. You got all this unforgiveness, unforgiveness, and you just throw it out of you. Right? Now, some of you are like, cool, I'll just throw it right on that person that deserves it. No, 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 don't be vomiting. Pastor said vomit on the person that hurts you. No! But get that crud out of you, amen? I hope this is as exciting for you as it is me, because it is free. Say bye-bye, give it a one-way ticket, hurl it, vomit it, let it go, which leads us to the second point. Not only did Joseph forgive, Jesus forgives. Turn with me to Psalm 32. Psalm 32, right smack dab there in the middle of your Bible. Psalm 32, and we're going to go to verse, let's go to verse 5. Psalm 32, verse 5, then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up up my iniquity, I said, I will confess my transgressions, which means sins, to the Lord, and you what? And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Say la. Sit in it. Let it be. Psalm 65. Psalm 65, verse 3. When you were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Amen, church? Psalms 86, 
Psalms 86, verse 5. You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. My friends, let us just get a reality check that the Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all on the same page. We, before we think that we're all that, we too have hurt people. We too need to be forgiven. We too have made mistakes. We too have tripped up. We too have fallen short, correct? And so you and I need forgiveness. We need to be showed this aspect of love, don't we? And God said, you know what? No, 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 Rob. Nope, you gotta get all cleaned up before you come in that church. Well, if that were the case, I would have never been able to step in church. How about you? You gotta get all lined up and your thoughts need to be correct and your life needs to be correct and you need to be living a life of righteousness and you need to be all squeaky clean and then you can come to the cross. But the Bible doesn't say that. The world might say that and there may be some churches that say that, but this place, like I say all the time, reeks of sin. Just take a whiff. Oh, sin is in the air. We have made mistakes. We have fallen short. But Jesus says this, I love you. Love does. And so he died on the cross so that we can be forgiven. So we can be set free. So we don't have to be entrapped in guilt and shame and the past. So we can let those chains be snapped and we can walk out of here with our heads held high and have purpose in our life because we have been justified and sanctified and cleaned up by the blood of of Jesus Christ. Church, it's that good. It is that good. And if it's that good for us, then we need to be instruments of that for others here on this, on this earth. And so as Christ followers, we ought to be the most forgiving, loving people that ever walked this valley. And yet sometimes I may in my own life, not be the most loving, unforgiving person. Jesus forgives. Amen. First John, don't turn there, but just write this down. First John chapter one, verse eight and nine. You're gonna see again, Jesus is all about forgiveness. We are dying to be on the other end of forgiveness. There's a story, in a short story in the, uh, the Hemingway wrote, um, that tells the story of a Spanish father and his teenage son. The relationship between this father and son had become so strained that eventually it's completely shattered. When the rebellious son, whose name was Paco, a common Spanish name, ran away from home, his father began a long journey to find him. As a last resort, the exhausted father placed an ad in the Madrid paper hoping that his son would see the ad and respond to it. The ad simply read this, Dear Paco, please meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon. All is forgiven. Love, Father. As Hemingway tells his story, the next day at noon, in front of the newspaper office, there were 800 Pacos. <laughs> All seeking forgiveness from their father. I get that. I get that. 
Like I said, we got a world running around in shame and hurt and pain and confusion and guilt. And the Heavenly Father is up there saying, man, come back to me. I love you. And many times the church is the last place someone wants to come back to because they feel not loved, but they feel judged. Church loved us. Joseph forgave. Jesus forgives. And the last point is this. I forgive. Question mark. Joseph forgives. Jesus forgives. I forgive. That's for you to answer. But my argument would become from Scripture and say, man, as a Christ follower, it's not an option. When Jesus is asked what is the greatest commandment and he responds in Matthew chapter 22 with love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. That's why as a church, our mission is just simply to love God and love people, period. And one way to love them is to forgive them. But I'm just gonna wet your whistle for a sermon I may preach sometime down the road. I think we always look at that great commandment and we get the love God part and we get the love people part, but we forget what is at the very end of that thing. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know why I think ultimately we struggle with this topic of love and forgiveness? Is we can't give something that we haven't given ourselves. Kind of throw that in there at the end. Because this topic of forgiveness sometimes is not about you and a grandparent or you and a pastor or you and a neighbor or you and a coach or you and a sibling. Sometimes this topic of forgiveness is about you and yourself. Because the world has forgiven you. God has forgiven you. But you are trapped because when you look in the mirror, you haven't forgiven yourself. a lot to chew on but I hope there's a lot of hope and light in this message Joseph forgives Jesus forgives I forgive question mark will you Father in heaven thank you thank you for all that you've extended to me thank you for all that you've extended to us Thank you, God, that um, we get to see a crazy story of a young man that so much life was wrong and unfair for him, but he was able to point people to you, that he was able to extend kind words. He was able to extend forgiveness. And then you took that to a whole nother level with your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the forgiveness that he has given each and every one of us. May we respond with loving ourselves, you and our neighbor in this way. Thank you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Remember, Lord. Thanks for listening. 
For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org. And if you haven't yet, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast whether you use an Android or an iPhone. Or you can come to one of our four worship experiences every weekend. We would love to see you in person. Have a blessed day. Forget all my rebellions that you've always shown me. You forget all my rebellions and my transgressions.